0: The text calls for attention this Lord's Day is our gospel reading for today from Mark chapter 8 and especially these final words. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. You're invited to be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel a little sorry for those who have the job of speaking on behalf of celebrities or politicians. For they are paid at times to go out and put a good face on rather ugly things that those they have chosen to represent have said. They have to go out and act as if they're not ashamed of the words that those they represent have spoken, even if in their heart they find those words pretty shameful. What the senator or president or celebrity I represent meant to say was this, they often begin. In most cases, the truth of the matter is the senator or the president or the celebrity meant to say exactly what they did say. But their public relations agent must now act as if they meant to say something much more thoughtful or kind or wise than what they actually said. Just imagine if Jesus had such a person trying to do public relations for him. After all, in our gospel reading, Jesus said that though he was the Messiah of God, no, rather, because he was the Messiah of God, he would be handed over to the authorities and be crucified. He went on to suggest that anyone that wished to follow him should pick up their cross and follow. He called them to walk right into trouble, full well knowing that it was coming. Can you imagine how if Jesus had such a public relations spokesperson who was simply trying to appease the masses might have had to try to recast Jesus's words? Maybe it would have sounded something like this. I wanna begin by addressing some of those things that Jesus said the other day. As you know, we believe Jesus to be the Messiah of God. And so we apologize if Jesus made it sound like the future of his movement involved only suffering and pain, not only for himself, but for everyone who followed him. Clearly what Jesus meant to suggest is that people might experience some small inconveniences in their lives as they followed him to earthly riches and power and glory. I mean, after all, how could you sell the message that Jesus had spoken to a mass audience? I mean, who would come out and try to sell the idea of following someone to a literal cross? Well, there's only one person that would try to do such a thing, and that was Jesus himself. And he did. He told Peter exactly what would happen to the Son of Man and to all who followed him. But Peter was quite ashamed of those words initially. When Jesus said that the Son of Man would have to suffer many things and would be rejected by the elders and would be killed, Peter took him aside. He began to rebuke Jesus for speaking such things. How could Jesus say that the Messiah was going to suffer and die? Well, Jesus responded pretty forcefully by telling Peter that he was not considering the things of God, but rather the things of man. He told him to get behind him, and even called him Satan. If you turn on late night TV, really if you turn on any kind of TV with preachers on it, you'll find a whole group of those preachers that are similarly ashamed of Jesus' words about suffering. When you turn them on, you'll never hear them talk about enduring shame or suffering or death because you follow Jesus. Instead, they'll tell you quite the opposite, that if you believe hard enough, you pray long enough, and you send in enough money, God will give you one blessing after another. Your debts will be removed, your diseases will be gone, and you'll look mighty fine driving away from your new house and your new car. Like I said, you don't even have to wait for late-night TV preachers to hear this. Some of the most respected and heard preachers in our country will tell you the same thing. Joel Osteen, down in Texas, one of the most listened-to preachers in America, will tell you this same message. President Trump's key spiritual advisor, Paula White, will tell you the same thing. Former LCMS member turned celebrity preacher Joyce Meyer will be glad to tell you also that if you follow, everything will just be peachy keen. But before we simply name all these preachers and knock them down, we probably should address the issue of why they're so popular in the first place. While most of us know to avoid many of these teachers because of their false teaching, We cannot say that we have not ever bought into the same lies that they are selling. People want to believe that if they follow God, everything will go just great. And that's why these ministries usually flourish, because it is a lie that tickles people's ears. Yes, we too often want to believe that if we're following Jesus, life should be a little easier for us that we shouldn't have financial troubles or health troubles. But if we listen to Jesus, that's simply not what he promises to us in this world. Instead, no, he tells us to pick up our cross and follow. And that image should be taken pretty literally, especially for those who heard it first. For Jesus was speaking literally about picking up a cross and carrying it to his place of death. You see, the world is set against Christ, the unbelieving world. And they don't have any interest in making it easier for the followers of Jesus Christ. No, instead, they are very much wanting to do to the followers of the master what they did to the master himself. Now, blessedly, in our country for so long, the number of unbelievers has been relatively small. And so they've had a hard time punishing believers, at least openly, for their beliefs. But things are changing. The majority that we have so long known throughout almost all of our lifetimes is changing. And perhaps one day we'll be a minority instead. So that means that we should not today take lightly when we hear Christ tell us that for following him we may well have to pick up our cross or lose our life for his sake. Don't be ashamed of Jesus' words. For he says that if we are ashamed of his words, in this sinful and adulterous generation, he will be ashamed of us when he comes in glory with his holy angels. But of course, it's not just Jesus' words about the difficult nature of the Christian life lived out in this broken and hostile world that we can be ashamed of. There are so many words of Jesus that our world finds untenable. There are so many words that we must admit that seem a little over the top or perhaps a little unwise to us at times. We often like to hide such words from the world and sometimes even from ourselves because truth be told, like I said, we can be a little ashamed of those words as well. How about in our Old Testament reading, where God makes clear that one of the greatest blessings he can give to his people is to multiply them greatly. In our world that calculates the exact cost of every child, has every means to make sure that children do not come about, and questions even whether children are good for the world in general, God's constant refrain about blessing his people with children Maybe be one that at times we're ashamed to sing too loudly. We might think that people will think of us as irrational religious folk if we simply live that way. Or how about Christ's words that come to us from the Apostle Paul in our epistle reading for today, which makes very clear that there's only one way to the Father, and that is through the death of Jesus Christ, his Lord. In our world that tells us that we are to tolerate every belief, that we're to keep our beliefs to ourselves, and that we are not to speak as if one religion is any different than another, we might be afraid to make Paul's argument in the world. We may be ashamed of Jesus' words, especially if we're called to speak them to people that we know might not agree with us. We can be ashamed of his words not wanting Our relationships, whether they be personal or business to be affected, we might be afraid that if we speak this openly, people will reject us or mock us or call us hateful and narrow-minded. And again, most of us know that we will not just go out and disregard everything Christ has to say. We are people that treasure the word of God, although we struggle with parts of it, at times so we're not likely to go out and just say oh let's do away with the words of Jesus completely but sometimes we have to admit that we are ashamed again of part of his words much like Peter who wanted to affirm that indeed Jesus was the Christ and at the same time wanted to deny what Jesus said the Christ had to endure we often also like to take sort of a middle of the road position on things And so, while we'll acknowledge that every child being born is a blessing, we'll not always acknowledge that truth when we're thinking about the size of our families. While we certainly believe in our hearts that Jesus is the one who has saved us from our sin, we often don't want to speak that truth too loud, especially if it might affect personal and business relationships. While we acknowledge that the world, does seek to bring suffering and pain upon those who follow Christ, we don't ever want to go as far as to correct someone who's presenting Christ as one who just simply gives to his followers every good in this world already. You now We often sort of take a middle ground. So let us be honest about how sometimes Jesus' words do strike us as extreme or odd or at the very least, not very tactful. Let us admit that at times we are ashamed of him and his words. Let us acknowledge that truth in order that we might turn from those sins. For in turning from our sins, Christ will be right there before our eyes. For he never leaves our side. And he will speak to us again those words that first caused us to believe. He will tell us again that he and his words are precisely the things that bring us his salvation. Yes, it was just as he had said. The Son of Man was handed over to the authorities and crucified. He lost his life in order that our lives might be saved. And so we gather here week after week to hear the proclamation of that forgiveness of sins. We gather to have it delivered to us in words and in water and bread and in wine. For we believe that when we gather here, Jesus is here, present with us in his word. And so today, he is here. He is here to speak to us the wondrous words of his gospel, to assure us that no matter if we have been ashamed or not, that our sins are forgiven fully. Yes, and that means... That we learn again today just how good Jesus is and his words. And therefore we can go forward with the help of the Holy Spirit to know that word, to speak that word, and to conform our lives to that word. We do this not because we have to, but because we're free to, having learned just how good his words truly are. No, it's not that Jesus needs a public relations expert to clean up everything he said. Instead, he just needs his children to receive his word with joy. To receive it as life and truth and hope. May we do that this day and always. Amen.